Hello and welcome in to another edition of the Nebraska Prep Zone Report. I'm Dylan Adams back for another week and uh, I'm joined by Stu Pospisil and Mike Patterson. We got a lot to get to today, guys. A, a long four days of volleyball coverage. We're going to recap that, of course, but then Sunday we had some big prep news as well. We can start with either Britt Prince or Fred Petito and his uh, retirement from Miller North. Well, let's go with Petito first and... You know, it's an end of an era up there. Uh, Fred came in in 1983. Uh, technically, he's the second coach in Miller North history. Dave Lee was the first, and he went on to uh, Texas, I believe. But Fred came in from Cathedral, uh, certainly left his mark on on a program, five state championships, um, three more finals appearances, and I think a 13-year span. Um you know, we're going to remember him for the wing bone. We're going to remember him for coaching Eric Crouch. Uh, he had other players, the Seth Olsons, the Adam Shadas, Jeff Tarpinian, uh, the Fisher boys. You can go on and on with the list. And the the distinctive uh, helmet logo of the uh, athletic tape, which... Um, I was looking at uh, Tom Chattel wrote a column on Fred a few years ago, and Fred had the the tape dating to the 1980s, and I knew that wasn't quite right, so I was able to go back and uh, Eric Crouch, his sophomore year, they had the Mustang logo on the helmet, and the year after that uh, came the tape, and that was to keep the when when you had the old um, uh, four snap chin straps those top two invariably would come off. And at the time, if you didn't, if probably still now, if you don't have your chin straps all the way on, that could be a five yard equipment penalty. So they just at Miller North tape the, tape the snaps, the upper snaps uh, to the helmet and wrap the tape around. And uh, then, um, you know, in later years, that tape would go to from white to uh, pink in October uh, for, um, uh, breast cancer uh month uh, and you know fred his his wife angela died a few years ago of cancer and that was really a, a solemn solemn time and I, I know fred misses her and uh you know she did a lot to raise their family and you know i fred fred is ending his time at miller north but like i wrote in uh, my column tuesday i do not see him being retired um I, I think he will be someplace in some capacity in 2024. And I think he still has a lot to give to the game, especially on the, you know, with, with high school level kids. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Mike? What are your, what are your fondest memories when you think of Fred Petito's career? Well, the only thing I could add to all that was that, uh, and I think Stu would probably agree. I thought Fred was very, uh, even keeled when they won, when they lost, you could approach him after a game on the field and he'd still uh, talk to you. So obviously he was a little more upbeat when they won, but uh, I always found Fred to be a uh, pretty approachable, pretty good guy. And, um, you know, it's been documented everything that he's done there at Millard North. So just kind of wish him the best wherever it's uh, wherever his next landing spot will be. Yeah, more than 270 wins. Uh, he's the longest tenured Class A football coach. Is that right, Stu? Correct. Uh, yeah, 41 seasons, 43 overall, counting Cathedral. Yep. And um, yeah, it 
Uh, you know, Larry Martin at Omaha North with, I think he'll be 25 seasons next year for Larry. He He's the new dean of the of the conference. And hey, stop and you look around after that, it's Kirk Peterson at Millard West. And then, you know, you have, uh, you know, a bunch of, of newer guys. Um, I, I think Paul Amanji's after that. And then uh, Mike Huffman. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's, it's for young guys. For me, they're young guys. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I think it's Barry Martin's five years younger than, than me. So. (laughs) Yeah. Those guys got some, got some years left in them for sure. All of them. So, um, and and, you know, like you said, I think, I think Petito does too. Um, So we'll, we'll watch that carefully. It'll be interesting to see what happens there, but you know, what's, what's been your, um, what have you heard from that Miller North community the last couple of days, Stu? I mean, are there actually I've heard I've heard next to nothing. You yeah, know. pretty quiet. Okay, pretty quiet. I I I think there were probably two camps involved, and um, you know, well, well, like like uh, Fred said, we'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> you know, I I know I know his players, sir. His ex players certainly had his back. They 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 have an annual uh, Christmas tradition where they get together uh i think two nights before christmas and and it's like an annual uh player reunion and uh this one will be bittersweet no doubt about it so no i i think it was important to kind of reflect on that on that legendary 40-year career but we can move on into the other big news and uh in basketball recruiting um obviously one of the biggest talents in the state Britt prince uh, makes her commitment to nebraska pat Right. That was the big news uh, this weekend, Dylan. And of course, everybody around here, I think, was very happy that her decision will keep her close to home. And she committed to the Huskers. Um, 35 Division One offers, whittled it down to 11 a month or two ago, and then finally got it down to that last uh, one. And, and speaking with her mom a, a couple nights ago, um, it basically came down to well, she's going to be playing close to home. That's one thing. She's always had a, a really good relationship at Nebraska. Said uh, Britt used to go down to camps there when she was in starting in fourth grade and has continued that. And Britt's a good friend of Kennedy Williams. They played uh, club basketball together. That's uh, head coach Amy Williams' daughter, Kennedy, who's committed to Nebraska for softball and basketball. And, you know, there were probably some other behind the scenes intangibles, but Bottom line is that Britt was the most recruited high school athlete, bar none, you know, maybe forever. Stu can probably touch on that, but um, everybody wanted her. Nebraska got her. She averaged 24 points last year. She's electrifying, and um, she's led the Wolves to three straight Class B titles. They're going to go for four in four years, and uh Everybody's excited about what her future holds, and it's going to be close to home. So we'll we'll see how it all turns out for Britt Prince. You know, and it's interesting because I had this conversation last week, guys. You know, um, Britt and Taylor Murphy both could be wearing Fremont black and gold uh, because they that that's where they went to um, middle school. You know, grade school, middle school, and McKenna Murphy. McKenna Murphy, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, they uh both have landed in 
in Elkhorn North and, you know, their, you know, Britt's mom, Ann coaching and, and uh, McKenna's dad, Sean is now in the Elkhorn schools. He's at Elkhorn North as well. And um, uh, helping with Elkhorn South with football as far as statistician, but they, um, yeah, both of those are, are, um, are transplants. And we wonder how good Fremont would have been, um, you know, if Ann had, I, you know, I guess it came down to Ann or, um, or uh, some guy named Kelly Flynn when that yeah. job opened up up there. So, I mean, history, history has strange twists and uh, it's been Elkhorn North's good fortune. And, um, you know, Britt, you know, I, she, and, and I'll say this boy or girl, she is the one player last year or this year that I would pay top dollar to go see. She's just that, that much of a, um, uh, high level talent, you know, maybe generational talent. Uh, I think back, you know, the, the recruiting wars probably weren't as intense for Mortise Ivy because women's basketball wasn't near the level that was today. Uh, Stephanie Jones from Benson. Um, she had, I believe, I, I know, uh, Gino from, uh, Yukon, uh, was in on her and she went to Nebraska and, uh, played for three years there. But, uh, you know, since Stephanie, I mean, to have a, a slate of, um, of college offers the way that Britt did. And, you know, you say 35, it could have been 135 if, if, you know, you, you wanted to, you know, count down anybody who made an inquiry because basically an inquiry for Brit is okay. We're going to offer you. Right. Right. Yeah. That number could have gone a lot higher or even schools that had backed off when, you know, they knew that she had narrowed it down to whatever it was. So yeah, that number is 35 is probably on the low end. Uh, yeah, exactly. certainly. Yep. You know, that, that final 11 list included schools like North Carolina, Baylor, Oregon, you know, these big time schools. And, and it's going to mean a lot tomorrow when she officially puts pen to paper uh, tomorrow morning at Elkhorn North. That's not only a big moment for that school, but, but also for Nebraska women's basketball. I think this is going to be huge for them moving forward. Um, you just, you just hope that the, that the pressure that there's not overbearing pressure again you know you're 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 talking someone who's doing it very well in high school college for one thing you gotta stay healthy i mean look allison widener you know probably the glue for nebraska she's been hurt the past two years she's not going to play this year you know you just you just hope that everybody can have a healthy four years and you know if if um you know, I, I guess everybody's dream is that uh, Britt Prince is the Huskers, Caitlin Clark. But yeah. that's a lot. That's a load to bear. And <laughs> a, again, you know, Britt is very capable, but she's going to be a freshman next year on a new level. And, you know, you, you, you hope that the moment isn't too big right away and that she just falls right in. And I think she will. I, I think... Uh, you know, again, she's a generational talent and, but, uh, you know, it's going to come with high expectations. And you, know, so you mentioned, you mentioned Fremont, Stu. One of the uh, other players we should probably mention who was heavily recruited, played at Fremont for a time, Jess Shepard. So uh, yeah. something in the water up there in Fremont, perhaps. Plus I also should point out that my wife went to Fremont high and was a, was a, 
not quite a generational talent athlete, but she was a pretty good athlete in her own right. Okay, I just uh, propped up Beth Patterson there, but uh, hey, she went to state. Neither one of us did. I went there as a fan. Wow. No, I mean, I mean, she had the athlete ticket. Oh, okay. Yeah, she did. But just saying that uh, they've had some good athletes over the years up in Fremont and getting back to Britt Prince. I remember the very first time I saw her play when she was a freshman and she was going down the court full speed and she went behind her back to uh, evade a defender and went in for a layup. And you just kind of said, did I just see that, you know, from a freshman? So she's uh she brings a real electricity to the game and um you know hopefully she'll go on to a great career at nebraska that remains to be seen but uh everybody's very excited about uh her signing that letter of intent tomorrow morning well one one more brit story and it, it was shades of uh jessica haynes uh with omaha central who went um coast to coast um to um win a state title last year at um Elkhorn South. I don't re- or at Elkhorn North. I don't remember PAT why you weren't there. Maybe you were on vacation because it was Steve Bidek covering the game for us. And since I live in the neighborhood, I went over to watch and I believe it was a tie game. She gets the rebound uh, off a missed three throw, I think, or if maybe it was a throw in and she goes coast to coast and beats the buzzer with, with a lay in. And uh, I'm I'm going, you know, I, I saw that almost 40 years ago with Jessica Haynes and Jessica Haynes was a uh, top talent as we know in her own right. So, yeah, it was a uh, Danny, Danny Ainge-esque going the, going the distance there. But, uh, you know, one more thing to add to her legend was at the state final last oh, year, yes. Scott, when she hurt her foot yes, and uh, she was definitely hurting. But she kept playing, and uh, in the I think it was the fourth quarter. She was eight for eight from the free throw line, and and uh, the Wolves needed those free throws, and they needed Britt out there. And um, you know, bottom line, they won the game. So she got it done, and um, you know, we're she's already made a lot of great memories high school wise, and hopefully, she'll make a lot more college wise. Yeah, it, it will, that was it will help drive ticket sales at Nebraska the way that uh Jordan Ball has done with softball. I predict that. Yep. Yeah, I, think I mean right. I could see her being one of those billboard athletes for for NU, you know, putting her up like Caitlin Caitlin Clark, not comparing her yet to that <laughs> that sort of standard, but you know, that's that's what she's going to be is that type of celebrity for the school. So um, I thought I thought that was a great point that you guys made, especially you Stu, that top dollar talent, you know, you could even see it last March. Boys, girls, she was the star, you know, on, on, on both tournaments, everybody wanted to watch Britt. And then of course the drama of that, of that championship game, when she did get hurt, didn't quite have the explosiveness, but she was so smart still that she could get to the line and, and get those point much needed points to lift the wolves over the top. So. Yeah. Well, her I think she was off the charts in, yeah. in my mind. I mean, she, you know, she could, she could play all five positions. Yeah. I think one other thing, Husker fans are probably happy that uh, just someone is staying close to home after seeing so many really good boys basketball players go on to uh, other programs and and bypass the Huskers. So here's one that's staying home in the girls game and, uh, you know, everybody wishes Britt well. Yeah, so, okay, after four you know, gosh, 12 hour days, I would say. I mean, how are, how are you guys doing? 15 or that? 16, but yeah. who's counting? 
12, 12 hours is lowballing it for sure. But geez, can we can we recap this awesome state volleyball tournament? Oh, easily, Dylan. So we'll <laughs> try to keep it fairly short. But yeah, uh, I, I guess bottom line, Class A uh, Lincoln Southwest prevails. Um, one of the big stories was Papio defeating top-ranked Papio South in that first round, and that really just opened things up for everybody. Um, you know, the Monarchs played really well at state. They swept Westside in the semifinals, but then they couldn't quite get it done against Southwest. That just wasn't really a good matchup for the Monarchs, and, and Southwest also was one of the top teams this year. And, uh, you know, it's been 25 years since a team outside the Metro Conference has won the title. So, Props to the uh, Silverhawks. They've been there. This was their 17th trip and the first wow. time they were able to get the title. So they uh, swept Papio in that final and they finished as their overall number one team. And and uh, they uh, Jessica Kirkendall, their coach, really did a nice job. And um, yeah, Silverhawks deserved it. And uh, they are the champs. Yeah, since 1998, Lincoln Northeast was the last one outside the metro, and and that happens to be my birth year, guys. So it's it's been a while <laughs> since. Wow, coincidentally, that's my birth year too. <laughs> that's what I yeah, thought. Yeah, I've, I've been I've been nurturing this kid along for a long time. I think that's like that half birth year, kind of like a half birthday thing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so no, you know, I'm not from around here, guys. This is you know one of my first first uh tournaments to that I've, that I've watched you know would an would an eight seed winning this whole thing would that be a historic accomplishment you know unprecedented if if the monarchs were able to pull that off or has that been done yeah i think it's been done dylan but okay. um you know that eighth seed as papio getting in as that wild the one lone wild card that yeah. it's really unfortunate for papio south because uh, Papio had just beaten him a couple weeks earlier and for Papio South to be the number one team and to turn around and in theory play the quote unquote easiest team as the number eight seed well Papio wasn't that and they proved that they could beat them and you've got the uh, intense rivalry of the two schools so you've got that and uh, yeah Papio was just playing I thought better the last couple of weeks than Papio South was and um you know they proved it in that game Wednesday and like I said once once Papio South got knocked out I think that just opened up class A for everybody and and I think it even energized Lincoln Southwest a little bit more so that uh that might have played into part of their winning the title I'm not sure we've had an eighth seed win I I know we had a seventh because I just reaffirmed it uh the year that um uh, which was 2019, Papio South was finished 23 and 17. That was the time that they beat um, Gretna and the uh, Dragons' uh, only finals appearance in Class A so far, uh, and that was a five-setter. But Papio South that year was 23 and 17. Yeah. So I'm guessing that was the um, the lowest seed to, you know, I mean, you know, Papio South, the last two years in winning was 39 and 0 and 33 and 4. Um, you know, most of the time it's going to be a top three seed that wins. But um, yeah, Papio, again, it, you know, Papio showed that after five losses to uh, Papio South, that the, the sixth time was not a fluke when they won the seventh. Yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, that has to be the most shocking result of this whole tournament, you know all classes right but you know 
winning in four sets even you just look at that and it's it's pretty shocking seeing that so well yeah. papio south dropped those first two sets and then you know yes. when you get stayed and that happens your back is against the wall they pulled out the third set and what was interesting on that fourth set dylan on the final point that uh papio won to to clinch that match um papio's fine libero uh, faith frame was having a really bad i think it was calf cramps and she kind of went down on that point and i'm guessing if papio south could have somehow kept that point alive that maybe faith i'm guessing she wouldn't have been able to continue and who knows maybe the titans come back and win so it uh it was i thought of a, a good thing for the monarchs that they finished that off when they did because um a faith frame was, I think, a really big part of uh, the way they played this season and especially down the stretch. She just seemed to be everywhere defensively, and um, she was kind of that last missing piece that the Monarchs needed to get as far as they did this year. Yeah, so really timely that they were able to close that out when they did. You don't want her on the sidelines. She's the Louisville commit, right? She's Cincinnati. Cincinnati, okay, yep. And then, yeah, yep. combine her with Mia Tiverti. That's that's a pretty solid duo there that, you know, made yeah. a really good run and almost almost pulled it off as the eight seed. That would have been wild. So Right. right. How about um, those Skyhawks? Yeah, let's move on to Class yeah. B, Dylan, where Scott wins their ninth state record, ninth in a row. Um, Renee Saunders does it again as coach. They weren't even the one seed or the two seed. They were the number three seed and uh, only had one senior on their team, Libero paisley douglas so um they beat waverly in the first round i thought they showed a little sign of nerves and looked like a little bit of a young team there in that first round but boy on friday night they were just awesome against elkhorn north very good team and they swept the wolves and then on saturday norris the team that they had sent home four years in a row before that Norris had revenge on his mind, and Scott just, uh, again, played great and uh, swept the Titans. So I don't know what more you can say about Scott and the job that Renee Saunders has done out there. Nine in a row, and like I said, they only have one senior, so that number could be going higher in the next few years. We'll see, but uh, yeah, congratulations to the Skyhawks for getting it done once again. Paisley Douglas, that's the only senior on that team, right? Right. Correct. Yeah. She's going to USC. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. Great. She's, team. Now, she's excited because now USC is going to be in the Big Ten. So chances <laughs> are she'll get, you know, a match against Nebraska or Iowa um, here every year so that, you know, family and friends can uh, have a close trip to, to watch her play. She said that was one of the, the advantages that she liked in, in picking USC. Hmm. Yeah, she'll for sure get some matches at the Devaney Center again, like she has all through high school here. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, moving on, if we want to see one, um, Margaret Harburg and Carney Catholic, they went down uh, to Minden, who took home their first since 1980. Is that right, PAT? Yep. I think that's right. Yep. It's been yep. a long time for the Whippets. Um, that final didn't really surprise us that it was Carney Catholic and Minden. They both had close calls in the semifinals. Minden won a five-setter against Gothenburg. Carney Catholic won a five-setter against Pierce. 
they both made uh, the final, and in the end, Minden prevailed uh, three to two. So it was a close match; could have gone either way. But uh, yeah, the Whippets defeated Carney Catholic and the uh, team with two sisters of Heinrich Harburg, who obviously we know what he's done with Nebraska this season, quarterback wise. So uh, yeah. Props to the Stars for for getting as far as they did, but uh, more props to Minden for finishing it off and winning that state title for the first time in 40-plus years. And they kind of got revenge on the Stars. That was their only loss this season, correct? Right. Yeah, that happened in uh, sub-districts. So, yep. um, yeah, revenge can be a pretty strong motivator when you get to that point down at state. <laughs> No doubt. So, and then C2, we had another legendary coach, uh, Sue Ziegler. She continued her dynasty with, with Lincoln Lutheran. Right. I don't, I don't think the Warriors uh, were quite as powerful as they have been in recent years, but uh, they're kind of like Scott. Once they get down to state and you see them standing across the net, they are, uh, it's almost a mental thing to a point. It's just, here we go against a team that is just here every year and, We'll see what happens. So the Lincoln Lutheran, they saw their 74 match win streak ended during the season. Uh, they were 33 and two going into the tournament. They swept Summerland in the first round. They went four sets with Elmwood Murdoch in the semifinals, and they went five in the finals against Clarkson Lee. And the Patriots had a really solid team this year. Chloe Hannell, Stu and I were talking about her when we were watching them play one day and she's, She's really good too, but uh, Lincoln Lutheran, they, they don't go to that fifth set very often, Dylan, but they, they did this time and they won it in five. So Lincoln Lutheran pulls down their uh, third straight title and fourth in five years, like you said, for longtime coach Sue Ziegler. Yeah. Was that the closest match on Saturday? Was that the only five setter that we got? I can't remember. Uh, well, Minden and Carney Catholic. Oh, that's right. Five. So, yeah, but uh, that those were uh, those were the only two that went five on the final day, and it set the journey back about two hours. <laughs> yeah, right, that's we we thought we, we were going really really long because we thought that we might be going five in the last two class B and class A, and as it turned out, they were both sweeps, which got us not back on schedule, but uh, allowed us to make our our deadline. So there was that. Yep, that was the good news of the night. So, you know, moving on to Class D, we had uh, SEM and D1. Uh, they won over Amherst, and I think that was your pick before the before the tournament, wasn't it, PAT? can't remember. Uh, no, my team got knocked out in the semifinals. Thanks, Dylan. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Guardian Angel oh, Central Catholic was my pick, and they were the top seed, and they rolled in the first round. But, boy, Amherst uh, – I gave them credit for making that final because their first match against BDS and then their match against guard guardian angel central Catholic, they were both like 31, 29 and they won both of those. So if you win that first set by that score, you have to like that team's chances to move on. And boy, GACC in the semifinal just couldn't really overcome that. And they got swept. And uh, on the other half of the bracket, SEM Sumner, Eddieville Miller survived a five-setter in the first round against O'Neill St. Mary's and then uh, swept Elgin Pope John in the semifinals. And then uh, SEM ended up winning the title 
three games, three sets to one over Amherst. So uh, SEM's very fine middle, uh, Micah O'Neill. She had, I think it was 83 kills maybe in the whole tournament. She had 33 in that final. So she was a big reason why they won. And uh, I, I thought it was interesting that Tammy Kenton, SEM's head coach, had played at SEM once upon a time, and her team made it to the final, and they got beat. And uh, SEM ended up winning it the next year after uh, Tammy had graduated. And now, many, many years later, here's Tammy back and, and guiding her team as the coach to the title. So congratulations to SEM for pulling down the championship. Yeah, and finally in D2 there, we had – that was a number one versus number two, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Over I think, Cambridge in the – I think I might have overthought this one, Dylan, because I was <laughs> leaning toward Overton, and then uh, Cambridge beat Overton in sub-districts. So I thought, well, maybe Cambridge has a slight edge, so I went with Cambridge. But as we were watching the tournament unfold, Cambridge uh, won in four their first round, one in four their semifinal, but – Overton was just running people out of the gym. They were just dominating their matches, uh, defeated Central Valley and Meridian, uh, three set sweeps. And then they did the same thing to Cambridge. Uh, Overton was the runner up last year. So I think they had that motivation, motivation of payback to Cambridge for that loss. So yeah, when all was said and done, Overton captured uh, D2 and they, they really look, looked really good doing it. Hey, Dylan, ask, ask Mike how many uh, champions he got. Yeah. I think I got six out of six, but I can't remember quite <laughs> exactly what it was. I'm moving on to football now. Somebody at breakfast today said, guys, if you don't win this year, uh, you might as well just you know get out of the prediction business. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. So my number <laughs> is two, Dylan, and with West Side looming in Class A football, um, yeah, it's going to take a lot of upsets for PAT to to come out even with a tie this year. But hey, I've had a three-year win streak; it had to end sometime, and uh, I've already vowed revenge during basketball season. There you go. I'll give, yeah. you, I'll give you more credit. It's been six seasons. Yeah, so, and not just three years. It's six seasons. So. Three years, six seasons. That's pretty that's good. more impressive. I I mean, I'm, I'll give credit where credit's due. That's a drought there, Stu, that you're about to end. But but the pox was put on Patterson on, on Halloween, so. Yeah, I'm not even sure what a pox is, but it didn't sound good. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. But it's working. I'll have to put the reverse pox on Stu during basketball. <laughs> Oh, that's probably going to happen anyway. So I, I think we got some even teams, but that's another uh, podcast down the road. But uh, yep. yep, football. Shoot, we yep. got some good games this week. Oh, I know it. Yeah, we we still got a little bit to wrap up uh, with with volleyball later down the line with all state and that stuff. But yeah, let's move on to some football semifinals. You know, I mean, we got uh, Millard West at West Side and um, Elkhorn South at Millard South on on uh friday night and winners go to uh, memorial stadium on uh, the 21st it'll be the last game of the playoffs this year uh last of the uh the finals at the stadium and um you know millard west had a nice solid win over um grand island but west side shut out bellevue west for the 
Bellevue West first shutout since uh, Fred Petito and Miller North did it to um, Bellevue West 45 nothing back in 2007. So 16 years, I think I wow. it's like 173 games they had not been shut out. Incredible. Yeah, I had that in my notes. That was a Petito team, and I think it was in the playoffs, right? First round yep, playoffs. Yep. So crazy. And you know, on the other side, you got um, a rematch there. Um, Elkhorn South lost thirty-three uh, nothing to Millard South. Mike, were you at that one? I was at that game. That was the one where uh, Rauner, the the quarterback for Elkhorn South, got hurt. And uh but came yeah. back the next week. It wasn't the inj- it wasn't the season ending injury right. that he had that right. night. Right. But boy, once he got hurt, um, and the game was at Buell Stadium, so Miller South was playing at home. I, I think once he got hurt, it just really deflated Elkhorn South that night and, and Millard South took advantage and things just kind of snowballed. So I I've seen both those teams a, a few times this year and I I know that game's going to be a lot closer than what it was the first time. Um, Elkhorn South's defense has really stepped it up the, the last few times I've seen them play. So I, I think that uh, I think that could be a pretty good game. Yeah, I agree. And, and Millard South's defense certainly, uh, you know, showed up well again um, uh, last week. Uh, you know, they um, um, just kind of um, – uh, took it to their opponent, and I am drawing a mental block with North. North, yeah. yes, they, yes. They North, Vikings forty-five had, nothing. Yeah, Vikings had three drives inside the twenty-five, right, and they they came away with zero points in that first half, and and then it really kind of snowballed from there. For it, it the did, yeah. Jetamala had a good game. He threw for you know two hundred and seventy plus yards, and uh, Nolan Feller. Uh, had four total touchdowns that night. Uh, you know, caught a couple uh, screen passes. They took the distance. He's back fully healthy. He's a Minnesota Mankato longtime commit. Um, you know, people are saying, well, they re- he reminds them of a Daryl Sproles or a Danny hmm. Woodhead, uh, you know, for what he does with, um, you know, his stature and his moves. And hard, hard to disagree that there aren't, you know, it doesn't bring some semblance to those two obviously both very great players but uh Mankato maybe gain a steal there um in Nolan Feller and you know he was hurt uh, for a while and Miller North, Miller South was down to its fourth running back and he kind of mentored them and encouraged them and now he's back in you know as the main man in the backfield and um you know Miller South um you know I it's going to be a good good game. I'm going to be at Westside um, uh, for logistical reasons, and Steve Bidek, um, who had uh, bone spur surgery, needs to be able to have an elevator get up and down. So that's what Millard South has. The Westside doesn't, um, but uh, maybe Westside will get a new press box someday. Um, yeah, two two good games in A, two good games in B. Um, you're going to have a rematch of Bainton and. Um, Elkhorn North and Mikey were there for that one. Yeah, that was the night. That was the night the weather was really bad and really windy. Yeah. Yeah. Windy, cold, uh a little bit of uh rain. So I, I thought the elements really affected that game. So I think the weather is supposed to be much nicer Friday night. So I, I think that'll be uh 
that'll be a lot lot better test for both those teams when uh, the weather isn't playing such a big factor. Man, Norris was so close to Bennington last week. I don't know how much you guys looked into that game, but I was kind of tracking it. Uh, Norris actually went for a field goal from the one-yard line in the first half, <laughs> and they end up losing by three. So really, you know, you look at that, that's that's kind of the difference in the game. And and now the Badgers are going to go for history. I mean, they're going for their 38th in a row. That'd be a, a class B record. Tying record time. Tying the record. Yes, that's right. They, they would have to win out and get 39 and be the first cla- three-time undefeated class B champion in succession. And, you know, you talk about close games. Omaha Scott had to kick a field goal with uh, 12 seconds left to um to beat um uh Blair Blair last week and Blair had scored all 28 points in the first quarter Bodie Bodie suck up he was amazing I think I think he had three passing touchdowns in that first quarter and and then after that just I don't know the water turned off <laughs> they they could not find any more points well, and you, you stop and think you get four possessions in the first quarter yeah, you know, that means your defense is doing something as well. And, and yep. you know, maybe that just started to wear down uh, the Bears' defense a little bit. I know they were, Blair was said to be down a couple starters, but, you know, great start. They just could, the Bears could not finish it off. And now they go to Waverly, and Waverly is the other undefeated in Class B. And, you know, th- this could be the game that decides the title as well. You know, who, who, you know, all four of these teams are capable of being in, in Memorial Stadium. Um, yep. And they should be close games, you would think. But, you know, sometimes one team gets some momentum and, and carries it through. But I, w- I would think these have certainly the earmarks of, um, you know, being, you know, 17-14 type games, each of them. Yeah, those certainly might be the most intriguing matchups that we have, um, those two games. So... You know, going on to C1, we have uh, Wahoo is going to host Sydney, who I think they're making their first semifinal trip ever. Is that right, Stu? I believe so, yes. And they come to Wahoo. I'll be there for that one. Um, You know, the Red Raiders, um, you know, new new territory for them. And, uh, you know, beating uh, defending champion Pierce, uh, certainly a feather in their cap. And if they would knock off number one and get to the stadium, you know, that, and, and this is a town, remember, that was class B before the, you know, the uh, sale of Cabela's and, you know, it, it's got to be a feel good moment, um, you know, for the, the Cheyenne County town out there. I think it's Cheyenne County. Um, anyway, um, the, the nice stop on the interstate uh, between Omaha and, and Denver. Uh, they're, they're excited. They're just Cheyenne, I guess. Yeah, they're going to go ahead and make their five and a half hour trip right over to Wahoo. Yeah, I, I think Pierce had to make about that same that same trip. Yeah, it would be about the same. Yeah, yeah. You know who else will be excited about Sydney still around? Uh, Stu is our former colleague Dave Handy because uh, whenever Sydney pops up in the girls' ratings or the boys' ratings, Dave, who lives in Minnesota now, will usually uh, text or email me. So. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure he's happy to see Sydney make it this far, and who knows, maybe farther. Yeah, that's, that's that'd a really be, cool that'd story. be handy. That would be John Nicely, and that would be our former publisher, John Gottschalk. Yeah, all of whom have Sydney ties. So, yep. And, and the uh, other, on the other side, 
We have Ashland Greenwood going to Boone Central and Albion. And, you know, Boone is just their their defense. They gave up 14 to uh, Douglas County West. And even with that, they're allowing fewer than five points a game. Uh, last week, it was um, 56 to seven. And they're going to that defense will get tested by Ashland. You've got uh, Drake Zimmerman at running back. You've got Dane Jacobson. That's Kale's younger brother, quarterback, uh, good receivers. You know, it, it's a game that, again, who's going, you know, what what is going to break through? Or, or can, you know, Boone Central's defense be up to the task? And what, what does Boone Central's offense do against Ashland's defense? Yeah, we saw the Blue Jays run all over Adam Central last week. That was pretty impressive because that was that was a Patriots team that also had a pretty good defense coming into that game. Right. Well, yeah, Drake Zimmerman was all over him and, and Jacobson as well leading that run game. So that's that's gonna be a fun one too. So boy, it's yeah. uh it's too bad that Ashland Greenwood isn't hosting that game, Stu. And you know well, why, you, you, you know you, why you, I'm you, saying that because they put out the the queen mother of all pregame food spreads when they when they host down there. So um, yeah, props to props to the Ashland Greenwood uh, people for, for putting out that food, but uh, yeah, going to have to go on the road. If they were hosting, you, you think seriously about not going to St. Louis this weekend. <laughs> if they were hosting, I'm not sure how or why, but we'd probably both see each other there at Ashland Greenwood. <laughs> I, I'd be asking for a doggy bag. And Dylan might show up too. What the heck? Yeah, I'll, I'll bring a takeout box or something. Yeah, there you go. So, oh goodness. Well, going on to C two, um, we got a, a battle of undefeateds: Northport Catholic and, and Fillmore Central. The Panthers' defense was awesome. They had seven takeaways in their comeback win over Malcolm. They were down fourteen zip, end up coming back. And, and Fillmore Central, I, I, I think I read somewhere that this is their first run since like two thousand six. They made they made it this far. So. Well, in Fillmore Central, basically the large part of it is Geneva, and yep. Geneva hadn't won uh, last one state, I think, in 1990. Derek Nanum was their quarterback, turned out to be a pretty good golfer himself. Um, but yeah, now that that uh, it's kind of a, a consolidated school, first time for them. Going against the defending champions, you know, Norfolk Catholics won 24 in a row, Jeff Beller. You know, it's that the man's won over 400 games. It, it's just incredible. Most people yeah. don't coach 400, let alone win 400. And, right. uh, you know, he, when and if he ever steps down, retires, uh, it, it's going to be a number that may, may be untouchable. I think Doug Gold's at Sacred Heart perhaps could get uh, close to it, but, uh, shoot uh great great stretch at norfolk catholic uh for jeff beller teams and then we go to the other side of the bracket where we have a pair of two lost teams and you know i i could see though the winner there of utan going to ord certainly um giving uh the the uh undefeated survivor a game in memorial stadium ord was my preseason number one they lost to norfolk catholic early uh, dropped another one in Utan, um, lost to Malcolm to start the year and uh, dropped a game to um, uh, Wahoo Newman uh, later in the season. But uh, yeah, Derek Wacker, a new walk-on, uh, 
prospect there uh, and Ord uh, Hurlbut, the the quarterback, had a great uh, run pass game going last week. Uh, you know, Chieftains and the Chanticleers. Uh, you know, I, I that that's a nice matchup as well. We don't yeah, have yeah. a bad semifinal matchup. Let's just be honest. Oh yeah, yeah, they're all good. You know, UTAN a, a bit of an upset, right, over Oakland, Craig, but. But they kind of yes. controlled that game after halftime. I think the the kid took back the opening kickoff of the second half to put yep. them up two scores, and they they handled business after that. So, yeah, that's that's another you know really really awesome two games there. And then you know another bit of a, a bit of an upset. This is a bigger upset, I think. Exeter Milligan friend taking down St. Pat's in D one. Yeah. yeah, what do you think? What do you think about that one, Stu? I still have six left. <laughs> that's the only one of Stu's teams that's gotten knocked out so far. Yep, yep. So knocked far, out, knocked off ten and zero St. Pat's. I mean, that was an upset. So well, okay. Remember that EMF's only loss was sixty four sixty two, and I think three overtimes to Sandy Creek. Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. So and Brecken <laughs> Schluter um, certainly. You know, he's their workhorse, EMFs. And, you know, so he had two running teams going in that one. And, and EMF proved to have to have just enough more offense to uh, beat the Irish. And now they go up to uh, a Crofton team that just a few years ago was playing 11-man. It had to take a little time to get used to the game. But, um, yeah, Crofton's 11-0, the maroon up there. And, uh Tell you what, it's one of the nicer eight-man fields because it was one of the nicer eleven-man fields you'd ever come to. Um, it, it's one one of my places to visit, and I have to say I've not covered a game there, but uh, I've stopped in because I know what what the settings like, and it it it's it's not just out in a cornfield. It's it's got a really nice uh, backdrop, and you know we mentioned Sandy Creek; they're going to host uh, Stanton. That's an undefeated matchup as well. Stanton's been rolling, and um, Sandy Creek knocked off a very explosive cross-county team last week um, to make its first semifinal in eleven or in eight-man. And um, you know, uh, uh, I think the the Cougars and the Mustangs—that's uh, uh, a really good matchup there. Still kind of trying to weigh my pick on that one. Probably will go with Stanton, but uh, great season going for Sandy Creek, and I would not, I would not rule them or any of those four getting to the stadium. You're, you're giving the edge to Stanton though for. Uh, for I, yeah, I think so. For your new jinx, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but all right, yeah. So so you got Stanton now on that one, and then Howells Dodge. They kept it going in D two. They they want to shoot out over previously unbeaten Dunny Kelton Stratton, and they'll now face uh, another undefeated team. And why not? Which uh, beat Howells Dodge earlier in the year. Um, right. Yep. But Hunter Luther, um, I was just trying to get you know sophomore. Uh, he was thrown in at running back because of injuries, and I I think he's at a thousand yards right now and and didn't start the year at, at running back so but uh why not knocked off um humphrey st francis you know these are teams that you know howells dodge st francis why not they're perennial mm -hmm. uh contenders and 
they all ended up on the same half of the bracket and um uh yeah the, the uh, blue devils 11 and 0 uh they're one of the two undefeateds in this class the other one is south loop uh which had a good test last week and now uh they go to um sand hills thedford um on the loop river as well over at dunning and uh, i think south loop handed um um sand hills thedford it's only loss hmm. if i remember Mm -hmm. Remember, right? I'm sure that they uh, give me one quick minute because we have this luxury of of being online. Look it um, up, yeah. Uh, yep, forty eight thirty four South Loop uh, won at home on September fifteenth, and yeah, the again two good Sand Hills teams. They're going to play physical football and. You know that that one could go either way. I mean, when it was fourteen points the last time, that's that's a, a turnover and a touchdown one way or yep. the others. Yeah, and you know the Jaguars. I think they're making a run as a as a double digit seed, aren't they? But right, they're, they're a much more dangerous team than what that seed says. So, yeah, yeah. it would be interesting to see how that finishes out there. And you then know, six, six I man. Just, go I was ahead, just going to say, Stu, when you were talking about. Uh, the teams on that one side of the bracket, Howells Dodge, Humphrey St. Francis, and why not? And you said they're there pretty much regularly every year. But, uh, boy, that goes for just about every sport. Those three right. have just great athletic programs, and they're just uh, – you kind of expect them to show up at state. Well, okay, here's a key factor, too. Coaching stability. You know, you, you've had, you know, Mike Spears at how first at Howells and then the Howells-Dodge combo. It, you know, and you got Steve Himes at uh, Why Not, 13 years there, and Eric Kessler at uh, St. Francis. You know, you you develop a system, and you can even run that with your your middle school, your junior highs, and you just, you know, your, your feeder program extends much past uh, just the um, uh, ninth grade coming in. You know, you, th these kids are running it from youth youth times on up. I don't think you can underestimate the uh, power of that stability of a coaching staff that's there because, you know, some schools, they don't have that. And, you know, they might be changing coaches uh, every other year or something. And it's really tough to build something if that's the case. So, you know, props to these longtime coaches that, that build up these programs like this. And probably have, um, you know, had chances to move up in class and, you know, either family considerations or they, they just know when they have a good thing. And, you know, not, not everything could be satisfied by, you know, being a class A or class B coach. You know, your you know, your niche. Yep. And then six man, we've got Hill or uh, Wilcox Hildreth going to uh, top rank Sumner, Eddieville Miller. So that's a, going to guarantee i think a decent crowd to a good crowd for the state final a week from friday at uh, unk because those are both area schools and then uh, the teams with that have uh, had a few more um pock marks on their uh records hey springs now here um the, you, we talked about papio papio south and volleyball hey springs lost to arthur county 80 to 7 during the season 
<laughs> and knock off the wolves last round. Wow. <laughs> How does Eight that happen? Seven. I have I have not heard. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of the incredible turnarounds, and they're playing at um, uh, Lincoln Park View, defending champion. Um, you know, you would you would think that okay, Hay Springs had one um, upset. You know, could they? You know, ha are they out of it? Uh, hard to say. I mean, Parkview very much could be back at UNK, and I necessarily didn't see that one coming. They lost a couple times early, and they've gotten uh, the Patriots have gotten things figured out. And uh, you know, could it be a uh, Parkview Summer Eddieville Miller uh, matchup? We'll have to see. That's another one of those small schools that are perennial contenders and pretty much everything is, is that Parkview team. So well, just in the past couple of years. I, yeah, yeah. You know, their basketball team was first and they've been uh they've uh, found success in in um uh football and I think their girls sports are are uh improving as well. So again, it's another option for for kids in Lincoln and you know for school and um you know, on the D2 level, they, they're they starting to be, you know, sustaining success. SEM going for that rare football volleyball sweep. Right. Too. Yeah. And that was your pick, right, Stu, before the, before the tournament? Yes. Yes. Yep. I, I was just looking. Do we have any other? Scott. Scott. That's it. Huh. So we have two, two that could go for the football volleyball double. Yeah rare double so all right well that was fun Re recapping or running through all the semifinal matchups for this friday it's it's going to be pretty intriguing and and we're looking forward to it and guys i i suppose i should let you go i mean after all this busy prep news over the weekend and <laughs> quarterfinals on friday plus the volleyball uh, we can wrap it up for today i see we're already over an hour here on, on the timer <laughs> so all right well we hope you enjoyed it out there as you're on your um you know, third set of reps or what have you. And um, we'll, we'll talk maybe a little signing uh, news if we have any next week as well. Yeah, National Signing Day tomorrow. And, and of course, we'll know who's who's going to be at Memorial Stadium in UNK um, in a yep. couple weeks' time. So, all right. Thanks for joining me, guys. Once again, that's it for today's podcast. For more high school sports coverage, of course, check out Omaha.com for all the latest on Fred Petito, of course, state volleyball from Saturday. And, and like Stu said, we have National Signing Day coming up tomorrow for some of these basketball prospects. But for now, Dylan Adams signing off on the Nebraska Prep Zone Report. Thanks for listening.